0: You want to take a couple questions? Does anybody yeah. have any questions? Ooh, okay. I'm going to come to you with the mic so we can get you.
1: So I came across uh, an interesting phenomenon, and that is that as a director, I'm trying to get named actors in order to get a budget. So I approached Hillary Swank after a screening of something. I said, hey, I have this great project for you. She says, I'm interested. Send me the material. I send it to her office. I get a call from her agent who said, is the project fully funded? I said, no, it is not. But if Hillary can put her name on it, it will be. Oh, we don't do that anymore. So how do we get around the gatekeepers? Yeah.
2: Um, So as I say in the book, there is no single body of people responsible for this problem. But if there was, it would be the agencies.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's such a fascinating part of your book
2: they they're the spider at the center of the net right they control all of this and i believe that there are more a list actors who would want to be in these films but the right. agents won't let them and and it's it, that phenomenon has been very little studied, so I don't have data data in the way that I have for a lot of other things, but I have a lot of anecdotal evidence that suggests that agents are less likely to let their A-list talent out to play with female directors. They are less likely to have women on their rosters. They are less likely to put their women up for jobs, and they are less likely to ask for more money for their female clients. So, um, I'm thinking of doing a sit-in, actually, at NWME and the other big ones uh, where we could go with a crate of books and just camp out in their lobby until they take one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the agents, they're like the death star, right? Like, I don't know how to fix them, but but I know that they're a giant problem. So, again, my thought is that we just have to take every route around possible and understand that every time you submit an offer to an agent, they are probably not showing it to their client. So, like, who do you know who knows who, buddy, who, like, or if that person is doing a play? Um, I I interviewed a female director who actually got Rami Malek to be in her movie because she sent a bottle of whiskey with her letter wrapped around the neck to the set of a TV series that he was acting on. So, again, be radical. Like, we we have to go full gorilla because... The systems are not going to work for us. I mean, if they do, great. And again, like, I'm not saying that you can't have a career in the system. If the system picks you up, awesome. All I want is for you to tell your story. So if you can do that within the system, that's great. But if you can't, take no prisoners. (laughs) You know, like, try everything.
0: (laughs) Anybody else? Don't be shy. (laughs) Let's talk about the tour, the um, Joyful Vampire Tour. The book was finished before maybe you got... All of your information
2: yeah. collated. Do you have it's, any updates? It's in the. Um, we talk about this in the uh, conclusion, but not in that because I got to write that after the tour. Do you guys? You guys all know what the tour is. No. Okay, let's talk a little yeah, bit yeah. about what you did. What okay, you decided so this, to do. Okay, so this is a good example of um, being thinking radically. So, and I want to acknowledge Meredith Edwards who directed that film, Bite Me. who's
0: Meredith. In
2: um. And, and you can see Bite Me on... It's on iTunes, Amazon, and Google Play. It's a subversive romantic comedy about a real-life vampire and the IRS agent who audits her. It's very and it's fun. very good. Thank you. That's it's really fun. good. Um, okay, so we, um, we finished this film and Naomi Grossman, who is in the movie. Naomi! <laughs> She's sitting behind a potted plant. Yes. So her face was <laughs> <laughs> there you are. <laughs> um, n- yes, so... Um, so this, we made this movie for $500,000, um, and our first film, which Meredith also directed, Imagine I'm Beautiful, we'd made for $80,000. It was about two women. It was a twisty psychological drama, and we'd been told by a lot of... We, we, that film did actually get a distribution deal. It got a theatrical release, which was amazing, and uh, so on, but, but we were told with that movie, well, it's about two women, so that's really tough, because uh, who would want to see stories about women and their experiences? Um, and, you know, but it was a dark, it was a tough film, like not, not like a light Friday night popcorn flick. Um, and so this time we had made a, a, a very, very fun commercial film and we had some name actors in it. Um, and we had Naomi Grossman from American Horror Story. We had Christian Coulson from Harry Potter, which was very exciting for me personally. That's going to be my next and, question. <laughs> and, um, and we had Annie Golden from uh, Orange is the New Black and Cheers and like Legend. Um, and so, so this time we were feeling pretty good about approaching distributors. Um, and the, in, the, in the September of 2018, we started reaching out to them, and they were all like, we really love this movie so much, but we have no idea what to do with it. And and there was a sincerity to that that kind of surprised me. It was just like there was like despondency wafting off of them. They are like, 10 years ago, I would have sold this film for so much money, and I have literally no idea what to do with it right now. And so we're like, oh, God, well, that's awful. Like, we don't want to release our film in that atmosphere. I mean, distribution is just a shit show right now. Like, nobody knows how to make money on indie films, including the distributors. Truly. It's like everything is melting down because of Netflix and everything. So... Um, so we're like, well, this sucks. Like, we don't, we, we, this movie is so good. We worked so hard on it. We don't want to just, like, release it into this oozy mess. So um, I had a dream, <laughs> is what happened, in November of that year that we were in a, an RV with fangs on it, driving around the country, bringing this movie to the, yeah, fangs. Like, vampire fangs. Vampire fangs. <laughs> uh, bringing the film to audiences around the country. And I woke up and I called my producing partner, Sarah Wharton, and I was like, this may be insane, but what if we just did this? And because she's the greatest producing partner ever, she was like, that sounds great. <laughs> um, so we did, so we, and, and we talked to distrib- some distributors, and some of them were very encouraging, and others of them were like, you will never get theaters to agree to this. Um, what are you doing? But we, but we thought it was probably pretty possible, and our, our theory was that everybody's complaining that nobody wants to see movies in theaters anymore, right? Martin Scorsese writes an op-ed about this at least once a month. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Go back into your cave. Um, anyway, um, so, but we were like, I don't think that's true, because people are desperately lonely right now, where technology is pulling us away from each other, where, like, people are dying for excuses to get out of their house and into community, but you have to give them a reason to do that. Like, paying $100 for parking and babysitters and popcorn and whatever, to have exactly the same experience you could have in your house is, like, not a great proposal, um, and so what we said to them was, to the, to the theaters we contacted directly was, okay, well, what if, we made, what if we did an eventized screening, right? So the filmmakers will be at all of them, right? And we got kind of a twofer with me because I was the writer and the actress, so that was kind of helpful. And, and what if then afterwards we threw a joyful vampire ball after every screening? So, and we invited the audience to come in costume, right? So, so they're getting, like, a whole evening. They get to meet the filmmaker, which in New York and L.A. is not that big a deal, right? Like, if you can find a screening without a filmmaker president, it's a miracle. Um, but in Wichita, this was a very big deal, right? I may as well have been Angelina Jolie or Steven Spielberg for all, you know. They were like, you're in the magic box. You must be famous. Um, so, that, so, so that was a big deal. And then also, like, we got to have a party afterwards, and people got to come in costume. So I feel
0: like some of the most amazing stories from the tour that you took away were from the small towns that Absolutely. don't have access to yeah. some of this stuff. And like, it just was really touching some of the, the people that came to talk to you and that yeah. were inspired by the movie. And
2: Absolutely. Well, in, in Vicksburg, Mississippi, which I was a little nervous about ahead of time, to, like driving into that state because I was like, this is a, quite a feminist movie about weirdos. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but they had painted an entire side of a building with our poster image to advertise the thing. And what was so beautiful about that screening, so the film is very much about outsiders and weirdos sort of like aching to be seen and, and helping each other, like the terror of actually being yourself and being accepted. Um, and so in, in New York, the people who came out were weirdos, but like being a weirdo in New York is less has lower stakes than being a weirdo in Vicksburg, Mississippi. So in Vicksburg, Mississippi, 100% of the audience dressed up, and it was like all of the weirdos from all of the nooks and crannies of Vicksburg like came to our theater. It was so full, and like afterwards, so many of them cried at various points. This 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 white man came up to, who looked very normal came up to me and just began sobbing in my arms because because he felt seen by the movie, and like. There were so many things like that. Of right, in, in Wichita, in these in these in the middle of the country, like how desperate they are for stories that aren't Marvel, and they're not getting them. So I think there's this real opportunity um, now that Hollywood has basically abandoned the adult film goer domestically uh, to to. to to get these movies, but we have to focus on the middle of the country, too. Like, we actually did less well in New York and, well, New York we're from, so we sold those out, but but it was harder in LA and other big cities than in these smaller towns. And Wichita, I feel like there's an algorithm that could we could figure out about s- towns like Wichita, cities like Wichita, where they're big enough that they feel very cosmopolitan, people are interested in culture. But for instance, Wichita doesn't have an independent movie cinema at all. Um, And so people, like we sold out Wichita, even we only knew one person in that whole city Mm. because people are so hungry for this. And I feel like you could, you could figure that out across the country. Like I'm pretty sure Boise, Idaho would fall into a similar category. I'm wondering if like, is there something to finding a,
0: uh, because the theater chains, they've got to be freaking out too, because... They are only going to have tentpole movies and they right. can't figure out how to get anybody else in seats. So is there a somebody rich or yeah. <laughs> a smaller theater chain that wants to, you know, sort of galvanize and really put their weight behind like female f- filmmakers and but also, yeah, like making it an event like let's yeah. go to the movies, right. you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, and, and to be clear, the art house cinemas were down. Like, it did not take much to convince them. And often they'd be like, yes, and what if also we did a, a joyful vampire yoga class before the screening? Or what if, we, what if we did a costume contest and we did, like, vampires in summer themed costume party? And I was like, great. And, like... Um, like they were so excited to and to have us there, because again, like in these other places, to have a filmmaker at the screening is a really big deal. So I I came to feel like we we should get like an Oregon Trail going of filmmakers yeah. through these cinemas. There's a there's a collection of them called Art House Convergence, so they're not hard to find, and just kind of like send this stream of filmmakers mm-hmm. through doing these things, which wouldn't that be fun, everybody? Be so fun! <laughs> Let's and, each make a movie and take it on tour. Yeah. And whether you traveled together in pods, which I think is, could be a pretty cool idea, mm-hmm. like five films out on the road. Maybe more financially RV, viable. Might, maybe more financially viable. Um, and you would stay in each place then for a week and you would rotate through screening the films, which I think would work really well because then you could gather steam with the local community. Because so many places we went and the people who were there were like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. I want to tell all my friends. But then we were in the next town by the next night. So I think that I also love that a
0: lot of them didn't distinguish... Um, I'm not sure what city you were in, but it was sort of like, oh, this isn't independent, like an independent movie. It was just a movie.
2: No, but this is so interesting. So, so many people came up to me after the screening and said, wow, this was so good. It's like it wasn't even an independent film.
0: They associate independent film with like really bad, sappy. Well, no, yeah. No,
2: I think they. I think they relate it to like or really artsy, boring, boring, artsy, dull. Right. Like yeah, right, which is so that was very surprising to me, and I feel like we need to learn a lesson there, and particularly because independent film has become a virtually meaningless term anyway at this mm-hmm. point, because it represents everything from like Brad Pitt's latest passion project right. to my film, which is like not in the same category. Um. So I. I. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like we do need a new term. I thought that was really exciting. It is exciting. It's just that because
0: people want to see good stories. That's all. Right. They that's just don't want to be is. bored. Right. They just <laughs> don't want to be bored. We can do that. I think so. <laughs> and
2: I also think there's, in this, this question of what can we do um, to, like, galvanize audiences to, to make different decisions to vote with their dollars more actively, and I think a lot about that film, The Interview with James Franco. Do you recall this film? It was the one about Uh, North North Korea. Korea. Terrible movie, right? And very few people would have seen this movie at all, except that there were the Sony hacks, and suddenly North Korea started saying, like, we will blow up your movie theaters (laughs) if you go watch this movie, which was crazy. And so suddenly, in that period of time, it became a patriotic act to go see that movie, right? And I did it. I would never have seen that movie. but i went cuz i was like i'm going to stick it to north korea <laughs> right a lot of us did this so uh, so there's definitely a way to create a similar thing or, like making the going to see a f- female driven film as a f- feminist act by the average movie viewer and i don't it would need some like incredibly good national marketing campaign and sort of probably like getting the arthouse cinemas on board to do kind of like a monthly series, right, or a weekly series or whatever at the same time um, every month or week. But I think that could be incredibly effective because I think in this moment, people generally are really looking for things they can do um, to fix everything. <laughs> and, and like watching a movie and buying a movie ticket is a very easy step on that path.
0: Oh, yes. Okay, great. Let me come to you with the mic.
1: Hello. So in just speaking in, in this of just getting the word out there and being known, and especially with this book, how have you really used social media to, to get all of this out there?
2: No, no. I'm not on TikTok. I just know about it I'm not on it. I mean, I have done my own social media stuff. I do the best I can. Uh, I don't think I've maximized. I'm not a social media genius. Um, I don't think I've necessarily maximized that. Yeah, I mean, social media is a very powerful tool. I think the danger of social media, and I think we saw this a little bit too with um, hashtag me too and hashtag times up, is that it becomes very easy to feel like you've posted and therefore you don't need to do anything in real life. It's
0: still a lot of work. To do a social media campaign yeah, is just yeah, a lot yeah. of work and you yeah. have to know going in that yeah. it's not just one post, one and done.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so definitely that's a power. I, yeah, we need a marketing genius to help us with this thing, which I am not um, overall. I think, I think social media is part of it. I think, you know, the press is part of it. I, not, not the Hollywood press, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the rest of the press. And, but you, we'd need like a national marketing effort to really pull that off. But I think it's so doable. So, oh, one more. Oh, oh, and I'll come up here and then down here.
0: So you were talking about the male gaze. Are there some favorite examples you have of the female gaze and how that's changing? Like if you could just give kind of some bullet points on what that changes.
2: Great question. Thank you for asking it. I, My feeling is that we don't really know what the female gaze is be- yet. Like we've seen sort of flickers of it, but we, but there has never been a time since the age of the silent film era actually, but since then there's never been a time where a lot of women were getting to make their stories without male studio executives giving them stupid notes, um, like unfettered with resources making their stuff and like challenging each other and making each other better and like experimenting, we've never really had that. So I feel like that is the atmosphere, it's actually kind of happening right now but like at a very grassroots level of web series and micro budget feature films and but I don't feel like We know, it it feels very nascent to me, Um, but certainly some of the, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is like one of the things that I watched and I was like, this is what we've been missing. (laughs) I see that in Dee Reese's work, Um, Julie Dash. Uh, I had this experience watching I Love Dick from Jill Soloway. Um, Oh my God, (laughs) I was like, ah, yes. but I but I think again it's very personal like it's not a monolithic thing either like there are things that will make me feel seen and will resonate in my body that won't resonate for other women and that's the point like it's not enough to have one or two because we're a very you know and it actually
0: might not resonate for a while because we're not yeah, used to seeing totally. it. Totally. You know, it's going to be the outlier for a while I think. So we have to keep like
1: doing it even though there's going to be resistance.
2: Well there will certainly be resistance. Yeah.
1: So Melissa Silverstein does a Women in Hollywood, and she used to have a first female weekend, and if you sign up for her thing, she lists all the films that are opening that weekend, and that's where you go with your dollars to see movies. First weekend. weekend. I don't know if she still calls it that, but if you go to Women and Hollywood, not Women in Hollywood, Women and And Hollywood. Hollywood. And also the Be Natural uh, documentary that... Oh, her name's escaping me right now. Um, but it's uh, about Alice, uh, B, uh, Alice it's Guy Blashe, who was yeah. like one of the first female filmmakers yeah. who got n- totally wiped out by yeah. all Lumiere brothers and all that stuff. So go see that. Yeah, there's Be a natural. really,
2: if you don't know the history of women in the silent film era, there's a, there's a whole chunk of a chapter in here on this. This is a very important piece of history that has been largely lost. Um, and there are a number of films about it. Um, in terms of further resources for finding films to watch, in terms of finding organizations that exist get, exist for women, in the back of the book, there's a whole. Um, you sort of have a, like a resource a page. list of like 116 organizations um, that are working on parody and film in general. Also on um, on my website, which is just Naomi Jones dot com, there's a further resources tab, and there's a women in film button. Click that and there's a, there's a much more dynamic and interactive list of organizations, so you can say, I want to find an organization that will help me find films by female filmmakers to watch, and you click that and it'll pull up a list, or I want to find a, a women's collective to join. It'll pull up that list, so that's on the internet.